wherever we go. In your son's precious name, amen. Good morning. Uh, scripture for today is Mark 2, uh, 1 through 12. I've gotten to the point now that I don't put my glasses on. <laughs> All right. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that, that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and, after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. If we want to be a church that's a light in the darkness, if you want to be a church that loves in ways that matter, if we want to be a church that shares the love and grace of Christ, then we have to be a church of impact. Last week we talked about that first step in being a people in a church of impact and how it involves getting outside of a box, tearing down those walls that we put up around ourselves. Because those walls, what they tend to do is limit God's work. Some of those boxes that we put ourselves in, there are expectations. When God doesn't respond the way that we want him to, or in the timing that we want, we turn away back to our comfort zones. We'd rather stay safe and secure and comfortable rather than God to do the work in us and in our church. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's scary. No, I'd rather be comfortable. And we limit what God does in us. When he moves, it's always about change. And when God moves, it's always unfamiliar. But we got to tear down those walls, open up the box so others can come in. On part of your bulletin, there's a little puzzle on there called the nine-dot puzzle. And the directions were to connect all nine dots using only four lines without lifting your pen or pencil off of the paper and not going and retracing any of your lines. Were any of you able to do it? Cheater. I'm a cheater. 
my daughter. She folded up her paper in such a way that she could somehow connect them all. And See, the point of that exercise is to show us that sometimes our thinking just stays inside a box. Can we put up the, the answer? That's how you do it. But our minds, we stay inside those four lines. That's our box. But when we think outside the box, we find the answers. We find solutions, new ideas. That's what the church is about. Jesus is the answer. We know that. But how do we get him to the people out there? That's our goal. That's how we make an impact. Because if we want to be impact, impactful, it's about tearing down walls. It's about thinking outside those boxes. And honestly, sometimes we have to do the things we don't want to do. How many in here like getting up early? Not me. For those of you who actually like getting up early, I bet you don't like staying up late. You see, I really like staying up late, you see. How many of you actually like going to the doctors? Yeah, <laughs> dentist? No, no, no one likes going to the dentist. But we know we have to do it. There's just some things in life that, you know what, we just have to man up and just get it done, right? But there are things that really we just dread. We don't just not like them, we dread doing them. Standing up to talk in front of people? Terrifying for most people. Taking a test or an exam, terrifying for most people. And in church circles, one of the most universal terrifying things for Christians is the E-word, evangelism. Nobody likes evangelism. It terrifies us. We're, we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of just stepping outside and, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to know what to say. And so this fear, this, oh, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. But you know what? I think it's really because we don't understand what evangelism is. See, evangelism has become the person on the street corner holding up the sign that says, repent today or you're going to hell. Or we have visions of people knocking on doors with their Bible and pressing people to commit to Christ. And that's the image of evangelism that we have. But that's not. Evangelism is just sharing Christ. It's just bringing people to Christ. But in the church, what we've done is we've even taken evangelism as, as the moment that they make that decision for Christ. That's not all that evangelism is. Having someone make a decision for Christ is just a piece of evangelism. Because really, evangelism starts way before that. It's not just the moment of the harvest. Evangelism is about cultivating people. It's about planting. It's about watering so God can do the growing. 
It takes all of that. That's evangelism. You know, we may not all be gifted with evangelism. It is a spiritual gift. But you know what? We're all called to be witnesses. We, every one of us, is a witness to the power of Christ in our lives. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. A witness is just someone with information that can shed light on a situation. It's someone that confirms the truth and affirms the truth. If you're a witness to a crime or a car accident, you're sharing what you saw. You're sharing what your experience was in that moment to affirm the truth, to confirm the truth of the event. That's what we're to do as witnesses of Christ. We merely just share what Christ has done in our lives. We're merely a witness to his power. We're witnesses of his plan of salvation at work in our lives. And so as we go about our daily living, the interactions that we have, the ones with our co-workers, with the Starbucks baristas, with the Publix cashiers, those are all opportunities to just be a witness to the glory of God. Even if you don't utter the name of Jesus, just being a follower of Christ and letting the love of Christ just be a part of who you are, your kindness, it shows. It's letting the love and mercy of Christ in you just swell up so much you can't even contain it. It just overflows into other people's circumstances. It shines light in their darkness. It's about bringing people before Jesus so they can see him, so they can hear his story, and they can see their need fulfilled in him as well. See, in our text this morning, that's exactly what happened. A group of four men were so zealous to get this paralyzed man to see Jesus. They did whatever it took. They were thinking outside the box just so this man could see Jesus. So what can we learn from these four men about evangelism? First thing we see, they cared about the hurting people. Now, Scripture doesn't say how these men knew the paralyzed man. We always read it and assume that they were friends, but Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says these four men, they carried this paralyzed man on a mat. It never says what their relationship was. We just assume it was a friendship or a family because, well, why else would you do it? Why would you do that for a stranger? Very likely it was a stranger. Otherwise, it would have said that they were friends or that they were family. Do we care that much about hurting people? Do we care that much? 
You know, there's something that Jesus says to them. He says, you are men of faith. He says, I see your faith. I see your faith. See, their actions were just a result of their faith. There's that overflow again. Their faith and their love of Christ compelled them to do whatever it took to get this man. They were digging a hole in a roof, and they were lowering him through to get him just to see Jesus. Can you imagine what it might be like if someone just kind of dropped in here? All of a sudden, someone just drops in. How would we respond? Jesus wasn't alarmed. He just acted like it. Well, he knew it was coming. <laughs> Last year, when we were meeting in the building on 84, we had our Saturday night service. And during one of those services, a young man, it was right smack in the middle. I think John was preaching at the time. And during one of those moments, a man walks in off the street. And he had a big gallon of orange juice under his arm. And he walked in, and, and I greeted him at the door and talked to him a little bit. And, and he just, I'm just coming in to say hello. Okay, sure, you're welcome. Come on in. And as John's up there preaching, this gentleman, he walks right down the middle of the aisle, sits in the front row. For a short time, he sat there, maybe five, ten minutes. And then he gets back up in the middle of the message, and he walks back out, and so I greet him back at the back of the church, and I talk to him a little more, and you could, I think he was high, I think he had come off the street, and he was high, and so we talked a little more, and you could tell he, he wasn't, you know, all together, and so I said, is there anything I can help you with? He said, well, you know what, I'm feeling kind of hungry. I said, well, we have a whole thing of donuts here. Would you like them? I would like that. And so I sent him on his way with a whole dozen donuts. Of course, the people coming out of church at the end were not so happy. But, but you know what? Sometimes church is that. Sometimes you will get those people off the street. They're hurting people. They're just looking for a place that accepts them, a place where they can just sit down and rest. That's, our, that's evangelism. I didn't have to hit him over the head with the Bible. I didn't have to do anything but just care. Right in the middle of the service. You know, we're surrounded by hurting people. Surrounded. They're around us everywhere we go. But do we let them know that they matter? Do we let them know that we care? That there's a God that cares? There are so many people living in spiritual darkness. We have the light of Christ. Are we using it to shine in their darkness? Or do we keep it closed up? The second thing we see from these four men, we have to be willing to work as a team. One man alone could not have lowered him through the roof. It took four of them working together. John Maxwell has a saying that it takes teamwork to make the dream work. 
because together everyone accomplishes more. If everyone in the body of Christ is doing their part, then the impact is greater, it's magnified. But when the work is left only a few, not only does the burden increase, but the impact decreases. The Christian journey was never meant to be a solo act. We need one another within the body, within our church, even within other churches. Because when we come together, our impact is huge. The third thing the men did, they saw their opportunities, their obstacles as opportunities. They didn't see the obstacles as excuses. And they faced a lot of obstacles. The first one they faced was the crowd. Verse 2 says that the people gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. The streets were narrow in between these homes. There was no wiggle room. Think uh, Times Square on New Year's Eve, people doing this. There's no breathing room, hardly. And their homes were not like we have today. Their homes were one door, one way in and one way out. And their windows were just tiny little slits, just under the roof at the top of the wall. So you couldn't get through a door, you couldn't get through a window. The only option left was a roof. But that didn't stop the men. They just kept moving toward Jesus. No matter what obstacle was in their way, they were focused on Jesus. And they kept moving towards him. The roof was another obstacle. You know, the roofs back then, we kind of like to think of them as just a thatched roof, but they were made of palm leaves, of mud, and of clay, and they were thick to keep the water out, to keep the weather out. So you can imagine they get to the roof. Okay, now what do we do? All right, let's, let's put the paralyzed man down. Okay, don't move. Okay, we're going to go get some tools. So one goes, gets a shovel. Another one goes and gets a hoe from the garden. Another one gets rope. Again, they did whatever it took to get this man to see Jesus. How often do obstacles arise for us? And we say, oh, yeah, see, I told you. God doesn't want me to do that. I told you. God says, stop. And God's saying, no. This is about your faith. I want to grow your faith. You can get through this obstacle. On the other side of that obstacle are miracles that you can't even imagine. The Bible is full of stories of people that come face to face with obstacles. But they had to persevere to see the glory of God. Imagine if the Israelites just stopped at the Red Sea and said, see, we're meant to be slaves. That's it. And headed back. What if Joshua and the Israelites stopped at the Jordan River and said, oh, it's just raging too much. We can't get through it. Let's go back. They never would have seen the walls of Jericho fall. The obstacles in our path are merely opportunities for us to see God's glory and for others to see God's glory. 
How many times do we give up because of the obstacles? I've been pretty open about Jay's and my journey about the house, about moving to Hollywood because we feel that God's calling us to minister here. Well, not just minister here, but to live where we're going to be ministering. And I've also shared with you that we didn't want to move. You know, we were comfortable where we were. We liked it. And God said, go. No, I want you to go there. And so every step of the way, every time an obstacle comes up, we're tempted to say, oh, see, God doesn't want us to move. You see, we're, we're not meant to move to Hollywood. But deep down inside, we knew, no, God wants us to move to Hollywood. And yet, every obstacle that comes before us, God moves. Every single one of them, we say, okay, Lord, you want us to move. We don't know what to do. And he takes care of the obstacle. It's happened so many times that our realtor has said to us, God is really in this, isn't he? Wow. Is he seeing Jesus? Is he seeing Jesus through this process? Despite the obstacles that keep coming up before us, whether it's the home, whether it's the purchase price, whether it's getting the mortgage, whether it's you know, the timing of all these things coming together in a way that only God could ordain for the realtor to say to us, wow, God is really in this. Because only God could have done this and this and this and this. That's showing Jesus to people. That's evangelism. That's what it is. It's just living your life just sold out to him and waiting for him to move and showing it out. The fourth thing that our men did was they looked for creative ways to solve problems. They were creative. Oh, well, we can't get there. Oh, look, there's stairs up to the roof. Let's try the roof. All right, now we're going to go get all our tools. We're going to do this. And then they lower him through. Can you just imagine what it was like in, for the people in that home? Bang, 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 bang. What the heck is going on? Bang, bang, bang. Jesus is preaching. And there's all this noise going on. But their only thought, their only focus was getting this man to see Jesus. That's a radical faith. That's an impactful faith. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be radical and think of creative ways to get the message out there. Think about the people in your life. Who needs to see Jesus? What are some creative ways that you can come up with you can bring them to Jesus. Acts of kindness go a long way. Listening ears go a long way. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine and I, sometimes in South Florida, you, you see cashiers get yelled at a lot. And sometimes they, you know, they're just having rough days. And so this friend of mine and I, we said, you know what? Let's start some, we called it the candy bar ministry. And so every time we would go to a store, whether it was Publix or Walmart or, 
you know, what, wherever we were going, what we would do is we would buy an extra candy bar to give to the cashier. We would start a conversation with them to kind of find out what their favorite candy was, kind of in a sneaky sort of way. And then we would purchase it, and then we would hand it to them before we left. And the response was always, wow, you're, you're buying that for me? Yeah, we just want you to know that Jesus loves you, that you're cared about. Really? You'd think we had given them a gold bar. It was simply a candy bar, 75 cents candy bar. And it just changed their whole attitude. Wow, someone actually cares about me. Someone thought about me enough to just spend that little extra time and get me a candy bar. And then the stores started shutting us down because, because suddenly their cashiers were showing up with candy bars and saying that customers were buying them for them, and, and then we weren't allowed to do it anymore. So I'm going to come up with another creative way to do that. But it's just those little things. It's just thinking outside the box. Lord, how can I bring this person to Jesus? And the fifth thing these men did is they didn't quit. Even when they were being mocked, they didn't quit. You see, as that man was being lowered from the roof, Jesus just looks over with compassion. Because he knows the miracle that's about to happen. He knows the miracle of the gift of grace. When he sees those that come to him, and he can say, your sins are forgiven. That's what we're striving for. We can't give up. There are so many people out there that don't see Jesus. But the miracle is that when they see Jesus... They'll hear, your sins are forgiven. That's why we do what we do. That's the whole purpose. That's why God created the church, so we could send the message out. You see, there were other people in that house. They saw the problems. They didn't see the miracles. They heard Jesus preaching. They witnessed a miracle, but they didn't hear or see anything. They only saw the problems. Instead of bringing people to Jesus, they were getting in the way. They were blocking people from getting to Jesus. Of all the characters in our text this morning, maybe you relate most to the paralyzed man. Maybe you say, you know what? I just, I'm paralyzed spiritually. I'm paralyzed. I need to get back to Jesus. I need someone to bring me to Jesus because I can't get there on my own. Don't leave this place if that's how you're feeling. Talk to somebody before you walk out those doors. Maybe you see yourself as one of the four men, always looking for ways to bring others to Jesus. Or maybe you're one of the crowd. Not on the way to see Jesus, but in the way of Jesus. Blocking others from getting in. It's not too different from the way our churches are filled up today. 
The crowds are made up of those who are helping bring people to Jesus and those that are just taking up space in the seats. They leave Jesus in the building when they leave. Evangelism doesn't have to be a scary thing. Because if we just see our role as bringing people closer to Jesus, just step by step, then we're serving as his witnesses. And that's participating in evangelism. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins, if you've repented and made him Lord of your life, he's come to dwell in you. And so you take him wherever you go. We're to be salt and light. And as witnesses, we're blessed to be able to participate in that process that God has for his plan of salvation, bringing it to the world. See, evangelism really, it's just a naturally occurring part of our lifestyle as followers of Christ. It shouldn't be a big to-do. It shouldn't be a big deal. It's a part of who we are. We may never know whether in the cultivating part of it or the planting part of it or the watering. We'll never know. But you are in it. You can be assured that you're called to be a part of that process. Be a witness for Christ. Listen to the words of Paul to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message translation because it's, it's powerful. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope and following our master Jesus Christ before God our Father. It is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the master. Can any of us say that today? I'm imitating the master. And if you imitate me, then you're imitating the master. That's evangelism. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, rivers of flowing water, living water, will flow from within them. If Jesus is your passion, people will know it. The four men in our text this morning were passionate about Jesus, and they were so overcome with their faith in Jesus that they just couldn't rest until they got this man to see him. They modeled evangelism for the rest of us. They were committed. They were compassionate. They were perseverant in their faith. As believers, we should be seeking to be that exemplary in everything we do, every aspect of our lives. We should be doing our best for Christ and for his gospel. Whether it's our work, whether it's in play, our driving, our shopping, it should all be done with the view that unbelievers are looking 
They're thirsty. And we have the light. We have the answer. Is your behavior drawing others to God or getting in the way? Are you a good witness or are you a bad witness for Christ? Because when our lives bear witness to the work of Christ, people are going to be impacted. Verse 12, the last verse in our text this morning, says that the people were amazed. We have never seen anything like this, they said. That's impact. That's impact. And that's what our focus needs to be. As we start 2017, church, let's pray that the Lord of the harvest sends us laborers. Let's pray that we're diligent in hearing his voice as we participate in his work and as we serve him, the King of Kings. One of the papers you got this morning, on the back of it, it says, who can I bring to Jesus? I want to take a few moments this morning. Pray, Lord, who, who in my life do I need to bring to Jesus? How do you want me to do it, Lord? How do I bring them to Jesus? So take out that paper. I just want you to pray wholeheartedly. Lord, I interact with so many people throughout the week. Who needs Jesus? Show me who you want me to bring to Jesus. Lord, break our hearts. to